Hello and welcome to episode four of Encore. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the New Voices Hymnal from World Library Publications, a division of GIA. This hymnal includes some of the very best from the Voices is One series, three different mass settings, and other new titles from Christian artists that were reviewed to be appropriate for Catholic worship. For more information, email Suzanne Orland at hymnalsandmissiles at giamusic.com. That's hymnals and missiles, all one word, at giamusic.com, or call 800-442-1358. Voices, a worthy contemporary hymnal. Today, we have another very special guest joining the show. Our guest today has had a long and influential career in the sacred music industry and has recently announced her retirement. We wanted to have her on the show to celebrate all her accomplishments and all her years of service. It is my honor to welcome on World Library Publications Managing Editor, Mary Beth Kundi Anderson. Mary Beth, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. How are you? Hi, Tony. I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Of course. You're very welcome. We'll, we'll jump right into the questions here. As I noted, you've had an incredibly successful career in the sacred music industry, but can you tell us a little bit about your roots growing up and maybe what led you down the path to choosing a career in our industry? Sure. So I grew up in the Chicago area in Oak Lawn. Um, not a particularly musical family, although my mom could play piano by ear. So there was some uh, emphasis on musical training for me. I sang a little bit in our parish church, but it wasn't very much developed of a, a music program. So kind of got involved in music there and studied some piano, sang in choirs in college and in high school, uh, all that sort of thing. And before I came to publishing, I really was in a couple of uh, parishes. I moved to Miami at one point and was in a parish there and also in the Archdiocese and Worship Office. So I lived in South Florida for six years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, the one story is that at the end of my undergraduate um, study at Illinois State University, I was getting my Bachelor of Music Education. Um, you know, I really, my mind and eyes have been open to quality music and I hadn't seen an awful lot of that in church. Yeah. And I remember in my prayer life saying, well, Lord, maybe I'm meant to help develop quality music in church. And I was like, okay, the one prayer that really got answered, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> from there it was like all church all the time. <laughs> yeah. This is just super cool, first of all, because I didn't know you were from Oak Lawn. I currently live in Evergreen Park, which is the right next door. Um, I also didn't know that you lived in Miami for a part-time. And then the cherry on top, I am also a alumnus of Illinois State University. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'm I just going to take off on all that then. You know, my first parish were really, I, you know, I'll bring it up later, but my first parish was St. Bernadette's in Evergreen mm -hmm. Park. Yeah. I was the music director and the um, school music teacher yeah, because of my that's... music ed degree. So I was there for like seven years back in the 80s, 70s, late 70s, 80s. Yeah. Small world. That's, that's I know, awesome. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about some of the positions that you worked before uh, you began working for WLP? Sure. So right out of college, um, I took a trip. I was able to go with one of our professors to, to London to do some musical stuff. And it, as a music teacher, it was like right at the time I should have been like applying for all sorts of music teaching positions. But I did it anyway because I was like 22 and it was OK. But when I um, came back, my aunt, who was an Adrian Dominican and uh, had a lot of connections in Chicago, sent me the listings from the archdiocese. 
for like musicians and music teachers. And that's how I ended up at St. Bernadette's, both as the parish music director and school music teacher. So that's where I started. Did that for a while. Then I went back to ISU because you can never get enough ISU. No, so I got certainly my not. Master's in, no, <laughs> got my master's in choral conducting um, in, a, in a year there. And that's when I thought, okay, now I'm looking for jobs. I could probably go anywhere. So um, ended up at the worship office and a small parish in, in the Archdiocese of Miami, which really opened my eyes to multicultural situations, a lot of speaking Spanish, Haitian mm -hmm. immigrants. Um, from there, I ended up coming back to Chicago after six or seven years in the worship office here. I was there for 11 years, and that's sort of a pivotal point, um, partly because it was in the same building with liturgy training publications. So a lot of my friends and colleagues, you know, were in that publishing world and got to know a little bit more about how things worked being there. But um, also, you know, I had these incredible opportunities. While I was in uh, Miami, the, uh, the Pope came, John Paul II came to Miami. So I conducted all the music for that. Um, wow. and then, that's very cool. Yeah. And then, you know, a, a number of memorable things in Chicago, but very privileged to have been the musician in the worship office when Cardinal Bernadine passed away. So to have been part of not only those, the healing services that he did while he had cancer, but then also his funeral services, just things that really stay in my mind. Yeah. So that kind of brings you up to uh, when you began working for WLP. Can you just talk right. a little bit about that? Sure. I was in the worship office, had been there for like more than 11 years. Right. And one person who had been very active with the music staff was Mary Preet. She started uh, as a consultant and then a, be, had a position at World Library Publications. And she started consulting with me, come to breakfast with me and talk about what do you think would happen, you know, at publishing. And of course, really, she was trying to hire me. So eventually that worked out. Um, I didn't even see it at the beginning, you know, but that's what she was about. So um, it was funny, though, I was like, I put in my notes, I was like 44 at the time. And mm -hmm. I consulted with John Wright, who worked at liturgy training publications and was kind of a, you know, wisdom figure. Yeah. And at the time, he was like, oh, you know, a career change like that, you know, you should probably make it now because, you know, in a few years, you might like feel too old to make a career change. And now that I look back like 44, that was 22 years ago. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was like old then. So, so I came to WLP back in 1999 because of Mary Preet's uh, sort of gentle pulling me into that. Right, right. And we're, we're very thankful that you did. So I'm sure, I'm sure that during your career, there's been plenty of influential people that you've gotten a chance to work with. Um, are there any colleagues or former colleagues that you are especially grateful for and want to give a shout out to? Well, you know, when I think about how young I was when I started at some of these positions and like all of the, you know, like even diocesan influence, I mean, one big gratitude is just those people who like hired me and said, sure, right. you're 26, go ahead and like do a papal mass or whatever, you know? So, um, so in general, the people who said, well, we'll give her a try because, uh, you know, that, that was pretty incredible. Um, I, I would say like at St. Bernadette's, um, I still am very good friends with one of the priests who was there, Father Bob Kaifus, and he's about to retire 
this year from his parish too. And he really started taking me to workshops. So, you know, here I am with this classical training um, from university and being a Catholic, but, you know, really needing to know about things. So he started taking me to ODW workshops. He inspired me to go to um, Loyola Institute for Pastoral Studies. Mm-hmm. So I would go there in the summers on the L from Evergreen Park to Loyola on the far north uh, lakeshore. And then in Miami, oh, and at that time too, the, he's now a bishop, Father Jerry, Bishop Jerry Kukanis. Uh, was preached at St. Bernadette's. And so he was very inspirational. He also would invite me. He was the rector of the, the um, seminary that was nearby. And he would have me come in for career days, you know, like what yeah. would be a career like in music, you know? So I would do that. So that was kind of fun. In Miami, there were some Adrian Dominican sisters who really took me under their wing. Um, Sister Mary Tyndall, who we just lost recently, and a good friend of her sister, Helene Kloss. And they, you know, I moved far away from home and they really took me under their wing and taught me about the area and about music in the area. So they stand out to me. Right. Yeah. And then I came back to ODW, you know, couldn't have a better boss or mentor than Ron Lewinsky who passed away a few years ago and uh, Sheila McLaughlin. Uh, who then moved on to the Bernadine Center at CTU and, you know, helped train Kate and Victoria. So wonderful people. And then, you know, WLP and GIA, look at the great staffs I've gotten to work with. Right. Um, always an inspiration, you know, and there was that little, little team of us that I will always hold in my heart, this last little group of women when we were still at JS Pollock, the kind trying to hold the whole thing together. So Jennifer Odegaard, Michelle Van Ebers, Raquel Hernandez, all of whom are with us here, and right. then Deb Johnston, um, who retired. Um, so, wow. You know. Absolutely. That's great. Great people. So one of our benefit of our jobs, uh, pre-COVID, of course, is getting to travel around the country and attend various conferences throughout the year. So uh, what have been a few of your favorite conferences that you attended on behalf of WOP, maybe because of the city uh, that the conference was in, or maybe just because of the special group of people that you traveled there uh, with? Well, when I saw this question, I thought, oh, no, because I'll tell you my, my memory of them, like... I have this very vague memory. I don't, you know, some people can say, remember Pittsburgh in 1978 when we did this? And I'll say, I kind of remember the meal, but I couldn't tell you what (laughs) city I was in. But anyway, I did think it was a worthy question to think about. So, you know, first of all, I realized how much all of that travel like made up the rhythm of my year. You know, I mean, I know there's a liturgical year and I should talk about that more, but you know, but but the travel year, you know, all of the conferences and the sing the seasons and the going to visit artists and everything was just like, I probably traveled like 15 times a year or something. So there was a lot. So I will just tell you that uh, one favorite memory of mine is just sort of a, a funny story about myself. I was on the FDLC board. Uh, I've been on a number of boards of all the organizations over the years. And at that time, FDLC met in a basement of a Franciscan retreat center in Bethesda, Maryland. And I hope no one from there is listening to this because they kept, it was winter, it was in January every year and they were very frugal. So the heat did not come on very much. So we were in 
all of these, you know, people from diocesan offices who had been, you know, elected by their regions to represent them in this national body, we were freezing. So I figured out that if you took the metal, believe it or not, they had ashtrays at that time, Tony, the metal ashtray and put an ice cube in it and put it on top of the thermostat, the heat would come on. So that what? was my role and the FDLC board. <laughs> that is very, very cool. <laughs> and of course, I had to listen for the footsteps of the staff coming down to the basement and grab the ashtray with the ice cube and like hide it on my lap. I <laughs> was wondering why the heat kept coming on. So that's one of my favorite experiences. So, I mean, plenty of others, but. Yeah, I'm glad we asked that question because that is a really funny story. That's not something you would hear every day for yeah, sure. And you know what? Yeah. And one of the other things I just loved about um, Church Music Publishers Association, which is a very broad organization that I used to go to and represent WLP, was that there was always one dinner where um, Alec and I and probably Tom Hawley would have been there. And mm -hmm. then either John Lim or Wade Whistler and a couple of their staff members would all go out to dinner together and spend the whole evening just enjoying each other's company and, and not being competitors, you know, being friends. So absolutely. Don't have to be rivals thing. all the time, right? Right. That that was a favorite thing. And we'd offer each other rides to the airport and you know, all that good stuff. So while we are technically competitors, we're all kind of working towards the same common yes. goal, I guess. So mm-hmm. I uh, touched on this with Kate on the podcast in the last episode a little bit, but as a leader and manager with WOP, can you just speak a little bit about the significance of WOP and GI uniting back in December 2019? It'd be cool to just get, you know, the WOP kind of perspective. Yeah. Well, I guess I have to say, uh, because this year has been so <laughs> difficult, you know, it was like, I don't know if it was the worst time or the best time to try to come together. Right. We were, you know, very much welcomed in. Um, a lot of things have changed. So I guess my overall feeling is it's been more than maintenance, but I'm very proud of just the maintenance, like just to keep the major things going that GIA wanted us to keep going to produce the Voices hymnal. Mm -hmm. And to keep the worship resources going and, and projects that we had contracts for, it's like a major accomplishment because we don't have our resources, we don't have our library, you know, we're all at home. Um, so just to, and we, you know, we don't have a copy machine, we don't, <laughs> we don't have a post office box. Anyway, so all of that has worked. And I think the idea that that has been expressed that um, to add to the family of GIA, things like a big Spanish language music repertoire, contemporary music, um, mm. and the idea, and you know, the other liturgy resources we have, like things for RCIA, you know, and the style of, of publishing, the periodical publishing. I mean, I think it really rounds out what, what the whole com company as a whole can offer parishes and but really it's like I think like now it's going to as churches open up again it's going to become clearer what right. the impact will be and what the possibilities are to work more together because right now we're sort of working on parallel tracks 
and I think there the the future is just going to be much more cohesive. And so I look forward to seeing how that works out. I, I just think it's it's gonna be a wonderful thing. Definitely. Kind of a daunting ask at first, but we really feel like everyone, you know, has really um you know, rolled up their sleeves and, and made it work, you know, certainly the best we can. And I think it's, you know, we've, we've certainly come out from the other side much stronger and that's great to be, you know, moving forward as stronger as a company. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't be prouder of the WLP team, you know, um, figuring things out and, and keeping things going. We always used to say, at least when I was editorial director back at WLP, you know, I used to use the, um, the motto of the, the man who runs um, Southwest Airlines. And he used to tell his people, work hard, have fun, and take care of one another. So I think that still applies. Um, yeah. That's what's gotten us through. Those are some yeah. great words to live by, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll switch tunes. Just uh, a couple casual questions here. Okay. First one I have for you. What are some activities or hobbies that you enjoy in your free time? You could pretend it's uh, normal times, pre-COVID or... Oh, okay. Well, hmm. well, in that case, let's see. I love to travel. Uh, Mike and I love to travel. Uh, we really miss that. We like to get to know the areas we travel in um, and just spend time there and especially explore theater and restaurants and things like that. Um, I love to cook. And Mike, as Mike will say, yeah, you know, he's kind of been, his waistline has been the benefit of all of my <laughs> cooking during COVID, you know, like I've learned. I've learned to make gnocchi. I've learned to make lemon meringue pie. You know, wow. I just I just keep going. So I love to cook. Um, I really miss having people, you know, a group of people to cook for. So that'll happen soon, I hope. And then just some funny things like right around Christmas time, I started getting involved in uh, enjoying jigsaw puzzles, which I know oh, yeah. I did before. So I'm just like the weird old puzzle lady now. You know, I. I put the leaf in the dining room table and opened it up more. And like, if I don't have a jigsaw puzzle out there, it's like penance. I'm like, you know, I put one away and then I get antsy for like three days and I have to start another one. So <laughs> what do you really usually do? Like puzzle. the thousand, thousand piece puzzles? Oh, I have, yeah. You know, cause that's who I am. I, I couldn't yeah. start like with 300 or something. No, I have to do the thousand piece puzzles. So, so that I'm in the middle of one now. So, and actually I found um, a person on Facebook marketplace who sells like bags of them at a time. So that's, cool. Oh, okay. And then it's just, what do you do with them? After right. you're done with them? There was one that was, that was a CC. So I found that the friars at um, St. Peter's in the loop, a lot of them love doing puzzles. So I gave them the puzzle. Oh, cool. Of a CC. So I think that they're going to enjoy that. And then um, let's see. Oh, I'm getting a little more serious about my piano playing, which has always been abysmal for someone who says they're a liturgical musician. So I've, I like, I'm really like working on it every night to try to like not be so embarrassing. And, you know, that's probably enough. Those are things I like doing and reading, reading. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I got to go back to the cooking for one quick question. All right. So let's say you're having a, you know, a couple months uh, when it's safe to do so, you're having a big group over for dinner. What? Mm -hmm. If you had to choose one dish that maybe it's your favorite to make or just one that you're most proud of to make for people, what do you got? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, okay. Here it is. It's, it won't be till September because that's when these little prune plums come out. But I, I love to keep up with my ethnic family dishes. My dad was a first generation American of Czech, of a Czech family. 
And my mom, who was Irish and German, learned to cook all the foods that he loved. So every fall, I make plum dumplings. Ooh. So you get these little plums and you make this dough that has farina, which is really cream of wheat and other things in it. And then you boil them and you serve them with butter and sugar and breadcrumbs. And now I've innovated it to making a big pork roast to go with it. So that's, I think that's one of my favorite and probably unusual um, family gatherings that I do. And then I make yeah. extras. So like I just drive around and drop off Tupperware bowls of plum dumplings to friends. So. Wow. I, I might be shooting you an email come September. then. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and they only come out like late August, early September. It's always like a Labor Day thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So what are some, uh, this has been a great year, certainly for uh, TV shows and movies. So what are some TV shows or movies that you've seen recently that you might recommend to our listeners? All right. So I, I found that so many of my movie, the movies I've watched are because they're on an airplane. <laughs> and then I come home and tell Mike about him and he's like, well, you've already seen it. But one of those that I just loved and eventually we watched together on Netflix or something was called Peanut Butter Falcon. So I would recommend that one. It's just um, well told and a heartwarming story and just really a lot of fun. So Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, yeah. um, also right now we're watching the Stanley Tucci Searching for Italy. So yeah. he's going on uh, CNN. So I'm not sure why it's CNN, but it's a food <laughs> show and sort of a history show about Italy, but it's just fascinating. It takes a region each time and you learn about the food and the people and it's just great. And he's charming. So I like that. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah. So, and then I really miss, uh, can't wait for the next year, uh, set, year of Dr. Who. So kind okay. Of my you're, you're a Whovian. I'm a Whovian, yes. but I, I get in the background whenever Mike and my friend Vicky and other people are talking about Dr. Who, again, that pastel memory. I'm like, Oh, I enjoyed it, but I don't remember how many green things so-and-so had on her head, you know, so right. I'm not the detailed person, but I love it. Yeah. yeah. So looking back on your career, what are a few things that stand out that you're particularly grateful for? Well, again, those people that hired me, you know, right. gave me chances in many ways. And just something Kate and I have talked about, um, like one of the first times we talked, she said like, well, you're like an icon to me because you've done the, the mom thing and the career thing at mm -hmm. the same time. And so I have two daughters grown now, but yeah, the, the, the people and places that, you know, understood that and kind of let me leave work early to go pick somebody up at camp or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and along those lines, like the people, you know, when, as you know, Tony, I'm sure when you work with people, they become like your family. So right. the good times, the terrible times, uh, there are a lot of people who've seen me through those times who are my work family. Yeah. So really, really grateful for that. And then I thought about it too, just that sort of, you know, how many people have been able to do what I've done to be in the room like with such brilliant, like at conferences and seminars and all sorts of things to be in the room with such brilliant and holy people. I've gotten to be at the Kamaldolese Monastery at Big Sur. I've just been all these wonderful places, St. John's Abbey, you know, in Minnesota. 
you know, my work has really given me the opportunity to like learn so much, see so much and actually like be in the room with amazing people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. So this might be a bit of a tough question, but what's okay. next for you in this new chapter of your life? Yeah. Well, I, uh, first thing I'm going to do, I was just thinking about it this morning is like, unsubscribe from a lot of email lists. <laughs> you know, you never have time to do that. I'm thinking, uh -oh, wow. totally. yeah, I don't really need to hear from them every day. Um, so I'm going to do that. And then I've been, I've been reading a book by Joan Chittister that I got a few years ago about, it's called The Gift of Years, Growing Older Gracefully. And it's just really been fascinating. One of the things she says is you have the opportunity to just become more yourself be free to become more yourself. So, you know, I don't have any real uh, plan. And a lot of my friends and colleagues who have retired said, just give yourself some time to figure out what you want to do. But I have a feeling I'll, I might be a little more involved with some social causes that mm -hmm. I've, you know, been a little bit involved in, but you're at your desk and you can't show up for the meeting or be on right. the food line or any of that stuff. Now I can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's exciting for sure. Yeah. So we'll kind of wrap up here. But, uh, first off, I just want to wish you uh, a well-deserved congratulations on your incredible career. I think I speak for all pastoral musicians to, when I say thank you for everything you've done to advance our industry forward. So um, the floor is yours here. Is there anything you'd like to say before we sign off? Well, that's very kind of you, Tony. I, I will say I wrote a number of emails to people I've worked with in the past and a lot of, you know, professional contacts I still have right now. One of the, the things I was surprised at is when people wrote back, a number of them told me that, like how I made them laugh. So I, I was just, I was kind of blown away by that. So that's yeah. kind of fun. And I guess the thing I'd like to sign off with is just this profound hope for liturgical music as we come out of this pandemic. You know, if you, it's kind of like you stand and if you look at the horizon closely enough, you can kind of see the glimmer of the sunrise. And as somebody who's always at least sung in the choir, um, just you know in your bones how important that is for people and for worship. And I just, you know, everything's going to be different, but let's make it a good different and let's just really hold on to that um, getting people back to singing and playing their instruments and really, really valuing what we have missed this over, over a year for over a year. That's it. Yeah, that was great. We're going to miss those, those words of wisdom from you for sure. For sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are, we are done. Thanks. John. Yeah. Yeah. To no. talk with you. Of course. No, thank you very much. And really appreciate you taking out the time. Glad we, we, you know, we, we had you on. This was great. I am too. Thanks awesome. very much. You're Take welcome. Care. You have a good rest of the day, Mary Beth. I will. You Bye. too, Tony. Bye. Okay. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Mary Beth and Dee Anderson. We'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. Stay tuned to GI's social media channels and soundboard.gimusic.com for updates. We hope everyone has a great Holy Week and a great Easter. Thank you for listening to episode four of Encore. Until next time, take care, everyone. <laughs>